staying connected across the network. This is the ETL Podcast. Hello and welcome to the fourth episode or episode four of the ETL Global Podcast. I'm today joined by Nick Muir from MGR, the managing partner there, and Jason Miller, the client services manager from ICARA Business Services. Today we are focusing on technology. Uh, Albert Einstein once said it has become appallingly obvious our technology has exceeded our humanity. Well, hopefully today, Nick and Jason will be putting a bit more humanity into the technology that's being used at the cutting edge of the accountancy professions by ETL. I prefer uh, Isaac Asimov's comment that I do not fear computers, I fear lack of them. I'm a bit of a Luddite, but I accept the fact that on a daily basis, computers make my life easier and stop stop me from forgetting things. So I'm going to start off with an unavoidable question to both of you, probably starting with uh, Nick, please. How have things changed and how has remote working been for both the teams at ICARA and MGR? Nick, perhaps you'd like to go first. Well, life has changed almost uh, unrecognisably. Well, you know, how we work now is almost unrecognisable from how we were working pre-lockdown. And I think our experience of where we've got to, the way we work, is probably common with virtually every business in the UK. You know, we were subject to to lockdown. We had to to implement a technology solution in order for us to keep working. I I think we were the, the two major initiatives or the two major things that have made our remote working a success, uh, uh, ramping up our, our kind of hardware capacity and also a greater use of teams. And we were fortunate in that we'd identified teams, Microsoft Teams, as our platform that we'd want to work with increasingly uh, some time ago. And it was just a question of accelerating those plans. We formulated what we called a, a COBRA committee in February to monitor monitor COVID developments and between February and March the 12th when we closed our offices we accelerated our Microsoft Teams adoption and the other thing we, we did during that time was we uh, invested in a another virtual server 889 we now call it 888 was our original first invested in an 889 so when we did close the office on March the 12th we had a, a second server already up and running Within a week or so, it became apparent we needed a third, but we made the investment decision very quickly. So, but we found ourselves very. Those two were the, those two factors were the two biggest factors for us hitting the ground running as far as possible and transitioning to remote working. I decided we wouldn't use the word cobra for ours because I didn't want it to sound menacing and full <laughs> of threats. So uh, we just called it logistics meetings. Okay. Uh, yeah. There you go. Uh, probably made no difference to the decisions we made, but it just made me feel less scared of attending them. Jason, Icara? Uh, pretty much very similar to, to Nick. You know, it became a bit of a big shock to a culture shock more than anything to, to everybody being, being forced to work from home. Personally, my my job is, is I wear quite a lot of hats in the fact that I oversee the operations at Icara. I also do a lot of manage certain clients within the EKW group well as networking across both the retail and the franchise sectors. So a lot of my job is remote anyway, or it's got the ability to be remote. 
you know, we have clients based all over the UK and historically have always had to find ways of, of keeping in regular contact without, you know, driving up and down the country on a regular basis. So from, from my point of view, it's, it's not been too much of a, a shock in any, in any sense, apart from my regular visits to the, the Sheffield office have, have obviously fallen away. So if anything, it's kind of benefited the services, the outsourced element that we do, because people are that much more accustomed to having the services take place outside of their own office, that it, it might promote our offerings. The real challenge has definitely been from a staff point of view. We already had the cloud-based servers, so everybody's got the ability to dial in from, from any place at any time and get access to the files. But it's it's monitoring their performance. It's it's not so much early doors, but monitoring the performance by working by working externally, have regular contact with them. But it's not as easy as just being on hand to pick up the shout across the office and answer questions quickly. And you find that you lose that you lose that as well, as well as a camaraderie of of, of being in the office. Uh, networking wise, obviously. That's that's always going to suffer. A couple of memberships that aren't involved in, they've actually had more events than what they would normally do because there's either nil or very little cost for them to run these events. Still paying the same membership though, but we'll uh, we'll challenge them on that. But the audiences themselves and opportunities is just it's just not not quite there. People either switch off; they don't engage as, as much as what they would do in a, in a sort of face to face environment. And the most of the networking is done in the bar. We all know that, and without that that time afterwards to properly network with people at the end of the event people switch off they turn the zoom off they've had a seminar they've seen the seminar it's five o'clock they switch off and, and go and have the tea rather than sit down and have a meal and have a drink and that's that's when a lot of especially the services that we offer is it, that's when it gets sold in so that's yeah. took a bit of an impact yeah it's the it's the accidental interactions which organized zoom meetings or zoom calls or seminars or webinars don't have which I think is where the the real sort of added value of a physical meeting comes into play. Just picking up another factor on that. I mean, Bethany and I were speaking about this earlier on a on a, on a different matter, but there is the uh, the Zoom fatigue, which uh, is a phrase that Bethany has coined, and we I suggest that she does trademark it because I think it sums up exactly how I think people are starting to feel many months on into the zoom meetings you have to work that much harder to get through a meeting you don't have the same advantages that you do when you're sat in a room and you're able to pick up on the non-verbal communication and i do think that is has a knock-on effect when you do get to the end of the meeting you cover off the agenda points you don't that there's a there's a, a slight barrier to that extra step which is to open up the humanity side and start to talk about possibilities and interactions and collaborations it's very much it is here's the agenda got to get through it and i'm fatigued now that i've done the call so there are challenges you don't take a break i mean any sort of meetings that you go to have sort of an hour you sit back and you have a stop have a coffee and you talk about all the things in between so i can definitely see how that can you know you just run through the agenda don't you and you have a break at the end of it yeah just picking up Jason, on what you were saying about ICAR are all, all about being technology, making clients' lives easier. How does that actually work on a day to day basis? Things have changed over the last 12 months, I'd say, um, if not two years. We've historically seen ourselves as that outsourced finance function. So our services are to offer a lower cost, higher expertise service than anybody choosing to recruit internally. And we, we drive that a lot by our use of technology to implement changes. 
but we're sort of moving now a little bit towards more of like a management accounts team, more of a finance team, internal accountants team, and using technology internally rather than for clients. They they pass us uh, the work. We have to do this as quickly as uh, as efficiently as possible. And therefore, what we're doing is developing our own internal process procedures to save ourselves time uh, and not doing the manual manual hard yards. And it's things like utilizing the, the client software. So they might have a software piece of software in place that's capturing a lot of data. And we're using the capabilities of that software to integrate into the finance software. We've always done that, but this is something that we're now offering across a, a wider client base and building automated routines to cut out a lot of the manual work. And probably our biggest USP is looking at various reporting tools. So what we do is tailor that information that's in the finance software to the clients so they can identify trends quickly and help them operationally. What it also does is helps us have, you know, we have then a better understanding of the business and their operations. We've saved ourselves time at the early part of, of doing the, the number churning. We get more chance then theoretically to spend more time going through those numbers with them and having those operational discussions. So that's how we flip that back into, into supporting the clients. Nick, in the last couple of months, I've noticed on LinkedIn and another and other platforms that a number of your partners and another team members have been invited to panel discussions on technology and it's, it's used during lockdown and otherwise. How does uh, tech integrate with the team at MGR on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, uh, you, you're right. We've been far more active in terms of uh, sharing with the outside world how we use technology. We've always been a technology-focused firm, and that's certainly what, when I joined 12 years ago, it struck me, having worked in large national firms, that I was in a, in a firm that really understood how technology could be harnessed and applied to, to helping clients. Different world back then in terms of probably had to build a lot more technology than buy technology, but we're very focused and we've always been focused. And you're right, we, we've been trying to get that message out to the outside world a lot more, particularly my IT director or IT partner, Sunil Shah. And picking up on what Jason has been speaking about just now, he's similarly focused on that, that idea of getting the data out rather than focusing and spending too much time on processing data. Once we have the data, presenting that in a way which gives clients real insights. And that's been the way that that's been the focus of of his panel discussions and uh, and and other media if you like that he's he's been talking about technology on behalf of MGR. But as well as providing insights and giving us the you know, the, the, the basic tools to do our work. In terms of how it, a tech integrates with a team, it's particularly more relevant or, or important at the moment that we use the tech to do the other things, the more humanity-based things. Going back to what you were talking about at the start, the more than a collection of desks and computers with a roof over our heads, we're, we're a social being as a firm. and We need interaction and we've done the best that we can under the circumstances of the last six months to try and maintain that. We've used technology, obviously, an obvious way is, is to have regular hookups and fizzy Fridays using zoom being the you know the most obvious um, example of that and we continue to use technology for mentoring for training for collaboration so technology is massively important at the moment it's no substitute and it's been forced upon us i'm i'm a i'm an advocate for 
return to office when it's safe to do so. I think unless we return to offices in, in some meaningful way when we're able to, I think we'll be locked in a in a world which is March 2020 in, in terms of businesses will find it increasingly or almost impossible to develop full potential unless we're all together. But in the meantime, we're using technology and integrating it with the teams to do the best that we can and keep things moving along. It strikes me that you've used your ability with technology in a similar way that ICARA has has always done, which is to use your mastery of technology as a USP in terms of marketing your business. And by attending those panel discussions and things like that, you're showing that you're a modern accounting practice who runs efficiently and things like that. So I think it's got that added advantage to it. I should add that add you know you're absolutely right, David and, and Sunil and and Jason are in, in a lot in contact with each other quite a lot, bouncing ideas. In fact, I can't remember. Obviously, pre lockdown, but Jason spent an afternoon with Sunil bouncing ideas backwards and forwards, mainly around it was around the, the data integration and then the the reporting, whether it be through Power BI or, or other tools. But yes, there's there's quite a well, I like to think there's quite a bit of synergy and common thinking between what we do and what Jason does at ICARA. Over time, there are certainly opportunities for us to collaborate. We've already bounced a few ideas backwards and forwards on occasions. Yeah, I agree. There's definite synergy and we do speak often. As soon as we've got an idea, we'll share it with them. And likewise, we've had a a couple of conversations on different projects that they're undertaking just to see the best, you know, the best fit and whether we can support them or they can support us on, on, on these various things. So as Nick said, in time, I think something will evolve from that. I think you need to get on to uh, Matt Hancock and ask him if the rule of six can be applied to video conferencing me- meetings so you don't have to <laughs> wait around listening to 25 people, give yeah. six seconds view on things. Can I just ask this a question for you both and I'll go with you first, if I may, Jason. Are there any big projects that your teams are working on either pre-pandemic or need that has arisen because of lockdown that you'd like to share with us? We do a lot of miniature projects really all the time, whether it's somebody either internally or a client asking us about how to improve a process. This process is currently taking me a long time to do. Have you got any ideas? Can you improve what we're doing? Just just thinking off, off the top of my head, things like we, we just had a, a, debtors, a debtors report that was sent out and the guide said, and I need somebody to help me chase these debts down if you can do a bit of sort of credit control for us and I passed it on to one of the one of the young lads in the team and at the end of the day I, I rang him and said how are you getting on with chasing those debtors have you managed to ring them up have you chased them down have you spoke to them I've not spoke to anybody yet I says well why not he says jump on jump on to him just have a look at this and what he showed me is simple export of the data, the full data from the accounting software, dropped it into an Excel document, built a macro, clicked a button, it created a, a statement to send out. He had all the inf- the contact information in the background that, that within a couple of clicks, it took him all day to do. But ever since that, within 10 minutes, I sent an email chaser to every single customer that takes little or no time now because of the insight to, to, to do that. There's also re- report building. Does it also automatically release hounds for, for particularly bad debtors? We, could, we would need to look at that, don't we? Yeah, because it could feed the hounds as well. I mean, I think, you know, you need to add some hounds to this problem. Yeah, 
Uh, there's too much. There's too much humanity here, isn't there, uh, in this process? As long as there's only yeah. five of them going out at any one time. Yes. We need some canality, if that's a word. Yes. <laughs> Canine humanity. Okay. Yes. It wasn't a word, but it is now. Well, if, if it isn't a word, you can get one of your developer guys to make it a word. I think that's fine. <laughs> what does it read in the dictionary? Sending the hounds. I don't know. I have someone to do that for me with a with a macro. <laughs> so, yeah, we've, we've got a lot of got sorry, so we've got a lot of yeah we've got small projects all the time. Uh, a lot of it is obviously building reports. So again, internal externally, uh, the guys at EKW often ask, you know, we're using this software. This is what we're producing. Can you upscale it? And now we've spent a lot of time developing the ability to do it across various systems. We're now in a position to develop these bespoke reports, if you like, just tailored to the individual clients. So we're not doing it off our own clients individually. We'd like to offer that service out, you know, even across the network as something that we can provide. But we do have a, a big project on and it's it's not arisen because of lockdown. It's actually been delayed really as a result of it. And it's something that Nick and I have spoke about in the past when we was looking at a different piece of software that does this. And it's uh, the ability to have automated working papers. So we're looking at digital dashboards out of zero. We've, we've created those now that we can feed them into a digital dashboard. And I suddenly had a thought, if we can do that, we can, we can maybe create our own product that delivers sort of 80% of the working papers in an Excel environment. Literally a, a couple of clicks of the mouse to get those into a working papers document. And the beauty that we've got within that is if you do make a change, and um, the most annoying thing, I'm, I've not worked in sort of a practice environment properly for, for a few years, but the most annoying thing is when you send your, you spend hours pulling those working papers together, you take it for sign off and review, and they come back with one change, and you've got another couple of hours refreshing all those working papers because of that one change. And the beauty of this is if you make that change in the source document, it will refresh all those uh, working papers for you. So we have a pilot ready, kind of ready. So we're looking to to get some trials in and we'll be rolling it out to, to the network hopefully soon. We haven't got a product name yet. This is going to be called Canine or something. Canonity. Man's best friend. That's what it's going to be called, isn't it? Canonity. So we've not got a name for it, open to suggestions and may need to speak to you about a little bit of IP as well, David. Just we might need to put some protection around it before we start selling it externally. Yeah. Happy to do that, obviously. Uh, there'll be a, quite a large license for the use of the word canality. So, there we go. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and Nick, any big projects you guys are working on other than canality? Yeah, we're not working on canality, certainly not doing that at the moment. Uh, like, similar to Jason, lots of small projects. Uh, the, the big project which stands out that we worked on and continue to work on is something which was inward focus in terms of internal but actually with an outward focus as well in that when we're confronted being at home for a week working and everything's under control we sat around and thought well we need some focus and some purpose to get us through well it turns out it's been you know about six months we didn't know it was going to be six months at a time but we we thought what we needed to do was go through and and actually sounds like a scary concept carry out a client risk assessment but it's not as if clients are a risk what we wanted to do 
to make sure we had client focus, focus on our clients. We wanted to make sure that we had the correct resource allocation, staffing and any other resourcing that we needed. And we also wanted to make sure we were on a financially good footing. So we, we conducted what we call, uh, called our client risk analysis, which was really, and we used Power BI as a tool to do this, which was to lay out uh, pull out various sources of information from our practice management systems, present it in front of each client handler and say, look, these are your key clients. And we did keep it to the 80-20 rule. There's no way we wanted uh, 100% reviewed, but with eight, with 20% of our client uh, being representative of the whole population, we asked our partners to look and and based on the information presented, get a, an understanding where each client was. And that would form the, the, the basis of a follow-up focus plan. And then having established that, that allowed us to look at what resource we would need between then and the end of the year in order to service each client's requirements. And also gave us, if you like, as, as far as you're able to, I mean, we all know from various experiences with forecasts that there's no way that they, you could ever nail colors to a mask and say the forecast is going to be accurate. But as far as we were able to, it gave us an understanding of where our financials would be in terms of being absolutely open and transparent. You know, our business is our clients. So our viability and our financial footing depended on our clients. So the, the three aspects were, as I say, to, to make sure we had client focus, understanding what each client would need in the, in the circumstances as they were and are then. And I they are because we are continuing updating the assessment to make sure we had the correct resources to meet those challenges and their needs and also to make sure that we were financially viable and that was a big project Sunil built a big power bi beast as it were there were data coming in from various sources had to make sure the presentation was correct because it's all about end user experience and there's nothing worse than having 10 partners saying they can't understand the, how to work the tool and the reporting looks rubbish and you know the presentation was absolutely uh, pristine as far as you know I was aware or as far as I could tell and it was a, a massively valuable exercise from that we've kicked on and the resource requirements have gone into our effectively our staff planner and our workflow and it was from that exercise that we've it's been a, a real guiding tool for us over the last six months and 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 the tool that we revisit every quarter now and we wonder why we weren't doing it before i was going to say you're going to share that with all the other etl yeah very keen to yeah just yes but it's interesting some of the stuff we have adopted and this is the prime example you wonder why weren't we doing this before so that's a positive brilliant well i've got you jason what does the rest of 2020 look like for icara i mean it's dead easy to plan ahead now (laughs) good question We'd like to get this product trialed this year. I think Tim from MGR said this it will be groundbreaking if if we can get this rolled out. So we, we need to put a bit of focus in on that and just be in a position to to get piloted, tested, finalised and, and, and rolled out as soon as possible. I think we need to agree sort of price instruction, things like that first, but it'll be, uh, it'll be good to go. The most important thing as we get to the 15th of September is just don't let 2020 pass us by because it's in danger of I feel it. I fear it's in danger of doing so from certainly a, being able to advance point of view. So, if you can get the working papers 
tool tested before the end of the year, then it, the year won't have been wasted because as Tim says, I think that will be, if you manage to crack it, and you know, we, we've had a look at this as well. You mentioned that yeah. we've been looking at something. It's an incredibly tough nut to crack, but if you do crack it, I think there's so much demand for this product. You know, the, the, the power of auto-populating working papers, defining you know, a simple planning tool to define what the working papers should look like, a, effectively a, a pick list, and then auto-population of the working papers, and as you say, automatic updating, and it, it, it's incredibly powerful. No one's no one's cracked that yet, so if you can... In the previous products that, we've, we've, we've looked at have tried to do 100% of working papers, so I think yeah. if we can tell in the circuit 80 to 90 percent you've still got you've still got your reconciliations to drop in there that tie back to the numbers we're not trying to make this be a, a fully fledged mm. um software that can do the tax computations for you do the submissions for you etc and so i think as long as people are aware that we just cut it off there and the rest is up to you we can we've got some well, it's the 80 20 rule isn't it <laughs> there we go yeah so yeah. Um, well we'll have a look at that you know, when when when, we're, when you're ready for uh, when you've got something for us to have a look at, we'd definitely be interested to have a look at it. Brilliant. And and Nick, what's the rest of 2020 look like for MGR? I fear that Jason has taken the has taken the best line already by saying that not let 2020 passes by. Well, we can't afford to because what what one of the outputs from our client risk review was that we realised we've essentially got a full pipeline of work, irrespective of what happened, you know, back and, and the wobble. And we, we'd have to be very guarded and very careful. I think there are going to be a, a lot of challenges in 2021. But certainly uh, in terms of 2020, we've got a full pipeline of work. We can't let the year go by. So our big challenge is to make sure that we can get the work done. Uh, we need all our work signed off, if you like, by 31st of December 2020. We've got a production, what we call a production plan. It, going back to the client risk review, it, it, it's um, guided by the tools that we put in place and various Power BI reports gives us visibility as to how we're doing against that production plan. So that's our primary focus in the business, to get all the work done. And we'll be using technology as we've always done to make sure that we get the maximum focus. Um, and one other project that we're working on is fee protection insurance is a massively important to accountancy firms. It's uh, our institute or the Institute of Chartered Accountants says it's best practice to, to offer that to clients that we do. And, and most firms do, but it's a, a, an administrative, uh, administrative, an admin burden, shall we say. <laughs> and we've developed, continued, we've got, a, again, a tool, Power BI base, which takes a lot of the pain out of that process in terms of making sure that premiums are issued, uh, premiums are the correct rate and policies are issued to the right groups and well, you, you know the that there are multiple variables, and we've got a tool that guides us through the process. We're going to continue refining that, and that's a, a project that we're going to work on because we also see potential for that. If we if we're we can't be the only firm of uh, of accountants. In fact, we know we're not the only firm of accountants that finds the process admin heavy. So that's something we'll be working on. And again, we'd like to, we'd be very happy to share that with the rest of the group when we've got it in a shape and ready to, to share it. Thank you. I'd just like to take this opportunity to thank you both. I've been impressed by the level of ambition that you both have in terms of developing your own technology to help your clients, but to also help your own businesses. 
I think that's something which we should all strive to be doing. New products, new innovations, new efficiencies as much as possible and taking advantage of perhaps of the, the time that we have on our hands due to the weirdness of 2020 to actually improve everything for the future. So thank you very much, both of you, for your time. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. Cheers, guys.